It's Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. This week's um, topic, we're going to talk about how retirement plan providers can think differently. Uh, just some new ideas, um, you know, stuff that uh, a lot of plan providers haven't considered, as well as some of the nonsense that I've been through uh, over the years. Um, I'm sure you've heard that story quite a few times working for a certain law firm. But before we begin, got some live events to attend to July 28th. We're going to have a that 401k networking event in Mets game on July 28th. Uh, that's uh, Mets playing the Braves. Nice little uh, section that we have in the Honda Club, which is behind the right field fence. Um, food involved, game ticket, 150 bucks, whatnot, and, and all that. So uh, go to that 4ksite.com for further information on how you can be part of that event. As well as that 401k conference coming back live in St. Louis on September the 10th. That's a Friday, September the 24th, Minneapolis, Minnesota, mini uh, Target Field. And of course, Wednesday, September 29th, Planet Houston. That will be a Minute Maid Park. Go to that 4ksite.com for further information on how you could sign up for those events. 100 bucks, get you in. Uh, food, uh, meet and greet with a uh, baseball grape, stadium tour, as well as the opportunity to go to the game that night. Looking forward to finally getting these events on. These were events that were scheduled in 2020, and you know there was this little thing called COVID uh, that happened, and unfortunately we had to um, suspend those events. And um, we'll. Think about you know some of the events that we'll try to get on for 2022. Uh, there are certain cities I certainly would like to visit, and parts of the country that we haven't um, had events or uh, have had had less events. You know, obviously something out west. We've only done one west event in LA, um, so hopefully we can go back in 2022 and, and have some fun, some great events, and some great cities lined up. So going back to the topic. Um, You know, everybody knows, I think people know that I'm a big fan of pro wrestling and uh, I like to take some of the ideas that you get from pro wrestling and, and kind of apply it into business. It, it, you know, it, when you think about it, some of the terms can apply uh, to business. And uh, in pro wrestling, um, trying to get uh, big time with the audience is all about getting over. And uh, quite honestly, uh, you want to be a successful retirement plan provider. You want to get over with uh, not only plan sponsors, but also other plan providers. And um, one person that inspired me um, and, and, and was involved in business was a guy who um, ran World Championship Wrestling. Uh, his name's Eric Bischoff. He's also a TV producer. Um, he did some shows with, uh, he got a production company with Jason Hervey. They did the Scott Bayo is 40 something and single or whatever it was, and some other TV shows. And uh, Eric Bischoff was a very interesting fellow because, if you know the history of professional wrestling, the WWF was the uh, most successful uh, promotion out there. And for about a two year period, WCW was number one. WWF was uh, struggling uh, with competition. And Eric Bischoff 
wasn't a big pro wrestling guy. He was uh, experienced in, in the TV side of things. And he looked um, and he decided that, you know, what was keeping WCW back was a show, a weekly show on, you know, primetime TV like the WWF had. And he had this weird idea that he should go um, up head-to-head -head with the WWF, which people thought he was crazy. Um, and the WWF had a show called Monday Night Raw, which I still have today. WCW, Eric Bischoff created Monday Night Nitro, uh, which was on TNT. And what Bischoff, how he succeeded was he looked at what the WWF was doing and he decided I'm going to do things differently. And, uh, you know, WWF was doing a lot of tape shows. He was going to do all his shows live. Raw featured, you know, these one-sided matches that professional wrestling we call uh, uh, squashes. And um, Nitro would just offer main event matches, top to bottom, competitive matches. They wouldn't have these losing wrestlers called jobbers. Um, WWF had more of a kind of a cartoon atmosphere uh, in terms of characters. Nitro, WCW would have more reality-based wrestlers. Um, and of course, you'll probably ask yourself, what does this have to do with being a plant provider? Um, I think it does. I think that you have to look, you know, one of the things when I started my own practice, uh, I thought about, you know, doing things differently. Uh, I looked at what law firms were doing and they were charging everybody by the hour. They were charging people for phone calls. I didn't like that. I, I liked the flat fee approach that I had as working for TPAs. Um, and, and I looked at what other risk attorneys do and I liked what I could do and, and be different, you know, uh, putting out content, working with plant providers, helping them out, developing relationships rather than just being bill, 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 bill. Um, you know, I hated charging clients by the hour. I just think that, uh, uh I, I just think that, you know, it's, it's, a process that in, invites people to overbuild. What's the difference between, you know, 15 minutes and a half hour? Nobody's going to know this difference, but, you know, I have a conscience. I know the difference. Um, you know, I I look at, you know, in terms of promotion, um, you know, Meyer Swazi would never let me run events at a major league stadium or a national football league stadium. Never would, not in a million years. Um, you could barely get them to front me money to join some kind of group. I remember... I mean, this is the, the nonsense you had to deal with. I remember towards the end, I wanted to join this Long Island small business group, and they were going to offer me a position to be on their board. And, you know, Lois made this such a big deal. She couldn't part with 150 bucks, whatever it was, and she wanted the names of all the people that were a part of the group and this, this, and that, and she eventually didn't pay for any of that stuff, and I never joined. So I think it's important in business to... Look at what your competition is doing. So if you're a TPA, look at what other TPAs are doing. If you're a financial advisor or an auditor or even another risk attorney, look at what the competition is doing and see what you can offer that is, you know, different and unique and exciting and, and, and really, you know, you're wowing people. Uh, what's something, you know, what, what other people can do, uh, what, what you can do that other people aren't? Uh... I, I, I say the enrollment meeting. Um, that's one of my bigger targets. You know, I, I look at, the, you know, the retirement plan business. I've been around for 20-some-odd years. 
a technology has really positively impacted the retirement plan business. Um, you know, even drafting plan documents, it's so much quicker when everything's now emailed to me and I, and I don't have that bulky software that we used to have that attached itself to, to Microsoft Word. It would take forever to print out. Now you email the plan documents to the client in PDF. So, you know, in this business, so much uh, has changed thanks to technology. Um, one major aspect that hasn't changed much um, that someone in 19, I, I mean, if you would take a time machine uh, and you would go back in 1998 and how the retirement plan business was, you would not recognize certain things. But the one thing that you certainly would recognize is the enrollment meeting. I think the, the enrollment education meeting is that one thing that hasn't changed whatsoever. Even with all that great technology and the use of PowerPoints and use of video and internet and all that kind of stuff, for the most part, it hasn't changed. Um, you know, the problem that I've always found with enrollment education meetings is, again, I don't think that it's changed much in the 20 some odd years that I've been in business. And quite honestly, I've been at funerals that were livelier and had more fun uh, than most enrollment meetings. And I think that that is what is missing the most from enrollment meetings, fun. Uh, there's nothing wrong with adding fun. Um, you know, I know people where I, you know, the firm that I was at, if they would see some of the stuff I do now, um, they would see how I dress in terms of the jerseys and all that stuff. They would uh, be upset. I'm not going to be upset. They would look down on what I do. And I don't think that we should look down at what enrollment meetings are. They can be fun. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with changing how things are. Uh, if I was running an enrollment meeting, I'd make it a lot more interactive. Um, you know, maybe go through the particulars of the plan investments and then offering some sort of, you know, game show quiz. I was a big game show fan as a kid. You know, match game, uh, some of these other, you know, uh, variations of, of a trivia game. Um, I was hitting Wheel of Fortune for some reason, but, um, you know, Jeopardy was always a big game. Maybe do a Jeopardy game. Maybe, uh, you know, again, um, go through the particulars of the plan investments and then offering some sort of a game show quiz with gift card prizes. You know, what's the big deal to be a plan provider and give away a $25 gift card to Amazon for somebody who's, you know, uh, got the most questions right or something like that? Um... Maybe bring some refreshments, you know, donuts are cheap, uh, bagels are cheap, well, not some more. I remember when bagels were 30 cents and now you go to my local bagel store, like a buck and a quarter. It's crazy. But, um, you know, technology has advanced in this business, but for some reason the means have not. And I really think that uh, they need to change. And, you know, I always say one of the biggest gripes I had at law school was, you know, people always had the belief, well, you know, uh, things don't, things shouldn't change because they've always been done this way. And, you know, uh, I, I always say that that really never was a defense uh, because what if it was always done wrong? And I think that uh, you need to look at that enrollment meeting, plan education meeting, and seeing how you can just change everything. Um, you know, there is no IRS or ERISA requirement, then enrollment meetings should be as boring as the Waltons. And my God, was that a boring show. And I'm sorry if I offend people, but my God, that was one of the worst shows. 
And I remember growing up as a kid, I think I uh, went on the independent stations, which was like, you know, back before Fox Channel 5 in New York. They would have the Waltons during the mornings or was it the week or on a Sunday or something. My God, that show is boring as heck. Uh, I'm sorry if I offended anybody, but my, it just it was just a miserable show for me at least. Next on the list, I think people are not doing something really, really simple. A one-page summary of pricing. Um, you know, when you buy a new car or you try to get a new loan, you know, federal law requires a standard disclosure. Uh, federal Truth in Lending Act, uh, car invoices have to be a certain standard. And I always believe that the Department of Labor dropped uh, the ball when they require fee disclosures, but they didn't require like a set form. Um, you know, we get that, we get the, we know all about that set form boilerplate, you know, when you pick up a food item uh, at the store, you know, it has that same basic form. These are the calories. Uh, this is part of your, you know, daily value, you know, how much vitamin C, how much protein, all that kind of stuff. And I really wish that the Department of Labor had a set uh, model disclosure form. And again, I always felt that they dropped the ball on it. So I think it would have made it easier. And, you know, the problem with not having a set form is that there are no two plan providers out there that have the same disclosure form. So what's even worse than that is that TPAs, third-party administrators, even have form, uh, even have this, uh, discussions about fees that are even more confusing um, that really would take a forensic accountant to figure things out. And what I really think plant providers should do is provide disclosures that they could, that they could explain in one page, uh, either serving as the fee disclosure form itself or as just a summary. You know, and I come from that ERISA school of KISS, keep it simple, stupid. And I really believe, uh, I think that, uh, you know, there, while there is a legal requirement in what plant providers need to disclose, there isn't anything out there that prohibits a plant provider from providing a disclosure form that is in English and easy to understand. And I think that, you know, the plant provider, especially on the TPA side that does that, go a long way in getting clients. I would just love something that looked like a car invoice. Here it is. Boom. I'm, I'm a TPA. I'm getting 50 bucks ahead. I'm getting such and such basis points. These are the fees. Boom, boom, boom on one page. And then, you know, have the contract uh, attached to it. Uh, just, you know, the bottom line. I would just, you know, I would have a form that says, here's my fees, the bottom line, you know, and, and just spell it out on one page. And I think the plan, um, and make it part of the contract, and then the plan sponsor would just know up front, you know, this is what it is. Um, I don't care what the contract says. Um, this is something I could understand. Uh, and I think that that would be uh, that would be great. As far as you know, things to you know to think make things differently. You know, as the story goes, you know, uh, I'm sure everybody's sick and tired of hearing the story, but you know, it's my show, so I'll mention it. I was an associate Meyer Swaz in Klein, and you know, again, uh, I thought I could build a practice, a national RISA practice for that firm. And the idea was, you know, I'll use our existing clientele. You know, you have this, you know, we have this, co we had this costume company, very famous on Long Island. They made all the Halloween costumes. You know, it made sense that, you know, the partner for that 
client would introduce me and we could talk about their 401k plan and that never happened. So I was different um, in terms of my thinking. So I said, you know, I guess these partners don't want me to introduce me to their clients, even though they would get 50% of everything I build, whatever. I, you know, it wasn't a law firm full of attorneys. It was just made up. It was like a law firm made up of um, individual practices that they bought, you know, that they added to their practice, added to the whole practice, and they still acted as if they were solo attorneys and they were holding on to their clients for dear life and didn't want anybody involved with it. And, you know, so I said, you know, how can I do things? How can I generate business? And um, I realized, you know, let me write articles. Let me use social media. And um, I really believe that social media was the future. I knew that back then in 2008, 2009, 2010. Um, and, you know, I knew that if... I went on my own, I would be successful just because of social media, just because of writing these articles. Uh, and I was right. And I knew that they, that firm was going to die. Um, not die, go out of business, die, but to shrink and shrivel. Um, the average age of a partner over there was over six years old. And they did nothing to change with the times. And, you know, I'm doing okay, and that law firm right now is half the size of what it was. That New York City office that we had, like, 12 attorneys, I think they're down to three. The Albany office doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's just, I think we had 60 or 70 attorneys. I think they're down to about 38. But it is what it is. Uh, you know, the problem here is, you know... The problem that I see is that, you know, forget about Mara Strozzi for a second. I see a lot of plan providers out there that are still in the same boat. Um, you know, it's 2021, and, and they aren't doing a very good job of marketing themselves, especially through social media. And um, I, I have to say, one of my big pet peeves of LinkedIn is when a financial advisor connects to me, and the first thing they're interested in is selling me their financial services. I mean, that is one of my biggest pet peeves. Worse than hearing somebody whistle when I'm out in public. Um, it just drives me nuts. I think that, that is probably my biggest pet peeve. When you are uh, in the retirement plan business and another plan provider always, and it's always a financial advisor, never a TPA, never an auditor, never another risk attorney, they come out to you and they're all they're interested is you hiring them to be a financial advisor. And my God, uh, do you know what I do for a living? Do you know that, you know, I work with financial advisors all across the country and if I had enough money where I needed a financial advisor, don't you think I would use somebody that I have worked a lot with uh, that has referred me business, uh, somebody that I, I know they're standing in the industry. I mean, you know, you know I, I know five off the top of my head that I would just just blurting out. You know, I'm not even going to blurt them out, but like five people right off the bat in my area that I knew would be fantastic in managing my money. So why would I uh, pick you? And, you know, there was a guy, it was a few months back where, it's clear he had no idea what I did. 
because he introduces and he says, oh, Ari, I, I see what you're doing in the legal industry. So you don't know what an Earth attorney is. You know, it, it was just it was just hilarious. And it, it just drives me nuts because it's a big pet peeve of mine. They aren't interested in developing any real relationship. They just want to sell you something. And I'm all about developing relationships. Um, I always believe, like, you know what, if you're nice to advisor, you know, by helping them out, maybe next week, maybe five years, maybe ten years down the line, uh, when they have a client issue, they are going to come to me. And, and that's great. And that's fantastic. But... Uh, I, I find that these people, you know, they just want me to buy something. They're not interested in who I am. They're not interested in what I do in the legal industry. They're just interested in sell, sell, sell. And I find that these plant providers, again, they are mostly financial advisors. Uh, they are no different than the robocalls asking if you want to buy an extended car warranty. Uh, effective marketing and social media are all about developing reputation and relationships. You know, I don't write these articles to say, oh, by the way, hire me. It's, it's inferred. You know, I just was um, in the midst of getting hired by a client based out in the, in the southeast. Uh, they found one of my articles, and they said, well, you know, if this guy writes this well and I understand him, my God, I, I need to hire him. And that's what they did. Um, you know, uh, it's all about developing relationships, developing reputations, business. That's how I started. Uh, it was it was meeting uh, years ago. I started my practice and it was struggling. I had a um, PR guy who just didn't understand what I did. And I, I was I was I was really depressed. I, I was you know I was depressed. And uh, I fired the PR guy after he suggested I should take some time off. Uh, you know I got to pay a mortgage. I can't take time off. And I went to the Ritz Carlton in Battery Park where I met Mike Alford from Brightscope, who's now in, in, uh, involved in uh, crypto, cryptocurrency, mainly Bitcoin. So he, he's helped me out with uh, starting my practice, and he's helped me out with Bitcoin. But um, he just said, you know, Ari, you want to build your practice? Look how we built Brightscope. He just, you know, commented it uh, in the um, LinkedIn groups and develop relationships that way and spread the word out. And that, that really that really started everything. Um, it was great. Um, the issue here is, you know, when I was at that firm, you know, and I couldn't, you know, work with their clients because they were, you know, holding on to their client list for dear life. My idea was to develop contact that plan providers could use on their own to provide to their current potential clients. The idea was, you know, a TPA would say, you know, um, perfect example, my most famous article, the payroll provider TPA stuff, you know, you're, you're, you're an independent TPA, you say, you know, hiring ADP paychecks is a bad idea. Well, here's an article from a noted ERISA attorney, and he says the same thing I'm saying. You don't believe me, why don't you believe him? He's completely independent from us. And I thought that those those type of, you know, it's all about, I, I always thought the articles were all about building goodwill with people, developing relationships. And by doing these plant providers, what I call a solid, by providing free content, uh, this would obviously help build relationships with them and it would be excellent source of referrals. You know, it wasn't some brilliant idea. Uh, 
it's just common sense. It's just, you know, you have to realize as a plant provider to be successful. It's all a relationship-driven business. And um, as a plant provider, you need to develop content that is engaging to your audience of plant sponsors and other plant providers. Um, so when you see my articles, I... I write in English. Uh, I always joke, I'm the ERISA attorney who speaks in English, not ERISAese. And, you know, that, that's how it just started. You know, write engaging um, content on a level that people can understand. And those people are the people that are going to be your sources, your, you know, your audience. You know, those are plant sponsors and other plant providers. And, you know, um, Social media isn't just sharing articles and writing blog pieces. You know, I, I, I've done, you know, long-form videos, and now we're doing these short-form videos uh, called at 401k University, which we, we have to add. We're, we're uh, uh, backlogged for a couple weeks. And, you know, think of something differently and unique. It doesn't have to be an article. Like I said, video, short spurts videos, uh, short spurts of videos would be great. Anything new and different, that'd be great as well. And, you know, if you ever, you know, I'm not a marketing expert. I'm not Sherry Fitz or Becca Hurrahan or somebody else's name I'm going to forget. Uh, you know, if you have a you know, question or whatever, just, you know, feel free to give me a call. I don't charge. I'm not a marketing expert in, in terms of, um, you know, getting paid for that. So feel free to give me a call. Last but not least, um, it's like it connected with the enrollment meeting. Make events memorable. Um, sometimes uh, I feel like if you've been to one plan provider event for plan sponsors, you've been to all of them. I'm talking about uh, the ones at the hotel, you know, the, uh, the Sheridan or the local Marriott, and you eat the, I, I call it rubber chicken, because you go to these places, the hotels, the food isn't that great. Uh, there's nothing wonderful about it. There's nothing memorable about it. And uh, usually at a hotel, sometimes at a restaurant. I was actually at a, somebody actually had a plant provider event. They offered me to come to sit down and they actually had it at a local steak place, which actually was pretty good. The meal was actually pretty good. So that was memorable. But most of them aren't memorable at all. Uh, you know, they get, the, you know, especially for plant provider events, you know, it's the local uh, plan, you know, local territory guy for one of the mutual fund companies or one of the TPAs, and they invite all these people, you know, other plan providers, other advisors in there, and um, they give them a free meal, some PowerPoint presentations, and hope that, you know, when the time comes, they'll get referred uh, work. And the biggest problem is getting people in the door. And, and again, these aren't just plan provider events, these can also be plan sponsor plan sponsored events. And uh, again, I think that you got to make things memorable, just like an enrollment meeting, make things different. And that's how that 401k conference um, was created. Um, you know, it was created uh, at, you know, I was at a national event where I was invited by a TPA to sit at their booth and I was inquiring about how much these booths cost. And, you know, uh, a lot of these uh, national events are really great on a national level. Nobody was really doing it anymore on a local level. So that's where that 4K conference event came up 
with originally I was going to make like a Comic Con thing, but I'm like, as eh, you know, it's not for everybody. Um, let's have it at City Field. Let's try it, and uh, you know, uh, let's bring in you know, I have my buddy Larry. Let's bring in Dwight Gooden. Let's have that. And so, you know, that's the first of many. I think we've done twelve, and we got three lined up for September. We'll probably do one in December, and these work. Um, I always hear from people how much time, great time they've had, and it's memorable and it's interesting and. It's kind of funny sometimes people have copied that idea. Um, I saw somebody uh, who I really respect uh, in this business um, uh, run one of these events. I want to say it might have been a planned sponsor type event and ran it at, uh, I want to say they ran it at Progressive Field. Uh, and I think they ran one at Heinz uh, Field, which was, you know, listen, people say, oh, you know, your idea was copied. Jeez. Everyone can have an event at a stadium. Uh, doesn't mean it's my event. Uh, they, they run, I mean, listen, uh, they run Torah events at City Field. So it's a big enough space for everybody. I don't, you know, is it, is it is imitation? No, it's not. They don't bring the athlete in. It's a different type of thing. They just have a different, interesting venue. Listen, I went to a financial advisor's event, which was memorable. The few ones that were memorable I went to speak, and it was at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, funny, that didn't really inspire me to do that 401k conference because that was many years earlier, but that was a memorable event, especially because the food was memorable because they had cheesesteak. Uh, and it wasn't bad cheesesteak. In those days, I used to only eat uh, like Nathan's cheesesteaks, but you go to Philly a lot more, you, you do a lot better. But, you know, have events for planned sponsors, plan providers, whatever you do, have it something unique and memorable, and they'll say, you know what, I, I, I was at uh, such and such place, and, you know, uh, I don't know, have an event at Spumoni Gardens in Brooklyn. Great Italian food, great pizza. Uh, people remember that. Um, do it at Disney World. I don't know. Do something unique and different, and when you make it memorable, they will never forget you. It's like uh, when George Costanza uh, compared himself to uh, uh, Menon by Menon, you know, Costanza, to have it, uh, uh, to be memorable, to have it on your brain. Um, and that's what I've always tried to do. That's to be memorable and unique and different. And that's what makes you stand out. That's just my two cents. So I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode of 4K Podcast. And of course, go to that 4 for further information on all our in-person live events, July 28th, September 10th, September 24th, September 29th. Thank you, and hope you tune in next week. Thanks. Bye.